Welcome to the Chef of X podcast. Let's say some crazy shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, fine. So like the microphones that we used before, they were um, they were just headsets, like headsets, like yeah, gaming with, ones. Yeah, yeah. And they were pretty low quality. And because we get loud, yeah. And it was like five people in a room, yeah, trying trying to do podcasts, and it's just it was so messy. It was so well, muddy. It can be done, but mm-hmm. the big thing is when you get loud. Uh, peaking is the number one thing you want to avoid with microphones, mm-hmm. which is where, where the volume gets so loud that the data gets distorted. Yeah. So if you can have something where there's enough headroom where it's like you take the loudest you're probably going to get and then add 10 decibels to that or 12 decibels, then you'll be okay, right? Because mm-hmm. you can always add more after. But once it gets distorted, you can't undistort it. See, I think, I think sound mixing is such a fascinating art form because it is something I am not very attuned to. And the people who can manipulate sound an intangible yet highly tangible product. It's just so cool. And like you, the fact that you're doing this podcast, I don't know. I'm just really fascinated by the whole process and like what the, the topic at hand too, worldview, like what a, what a broad, philosophical starting point because <laughs> i mean it can go everywhere and yeah. that's really cool yeah so I, i'm curious so your worldview yeah like what what is your starting point yeah the starting point is usually uh what i start what i ask first which uh-huh. is um what do you think is a good life so um, the, it, it starts with the idea that you're going to be alive let's say in this form just mm-hmm. to be super conservative about it. Um, you're going to be alive in this form mm-hmm. for roughly a hundred years. If we're just going to count in things that are, you know, can be divisible by 10. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? And does it matter to you what you do? Oh, it matters to me a lot. Yeah. Which is, I've kind of found an unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people, cause I, I want my actions to have positive positive effects on other individuals. And from what I found is a lot of people are just in the game for themselves. And they're just like, yeah, I just want to do my hustle. I want to do what makes me happy. And I'm like, I want to have an impact. And and I'm kind of already starting that, which I'm I'm really proud about. Yeah. Um, Because I work with individuals with um, uh, intellectual disabilities. Mm -hmm. So like my current client, she's... um, mentally handicapped, you know, slightly physically disabled. And, um, she calls me her best friend every day. Mm. And that, that means a lot to me. Yeah. Um, you know, living outside of myself kind of, you know, yeah. Which I don't, I don't see a lot of people doing, which makes me a little bit sad. I think if we were all a little bit more empathetic, I think the world would be an incredibly kinder place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I if I lived, holy shit, if I lived to be 100. Or if you even, in this case, even if you lived to be 60. Even if I lived to be 60, um, I would like, oh God, a version of a good life. I like to, I, I feel like the human reaction is, I like to have enough money to be comfortable. Like, yeah. I don't need to be wealthy. I think wealthy is excessive. But just, you know, we're in a capitalistic society. We don't have a choice yeah. whether or not money is a necessity. So I, I would like to be able to live comfortably, 
I would like to reproduce and have them not be like sociopathic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you might not have control. I don't have control over that, but <laughs> you, you said in a perfect world. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not raise little sociopaths. Maybe, maybe see some, some grandbabies. I definitely want to be surrounded by a little petting zoo of animals mm. and, and a garden and just, you know, feel like I, I've made, I've made people's lives a little bit happier. Yeah. That's the goal. Like, I don't know, cause I don't have a, a truly set career. Like I don't have a college degree to work off of, you know, like generally gives somebody an idea of what, what where they want to go in life. And for me, it's more like, Whatever, whatever gets thrown my way, hopefully it does some good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about having a garden, maybe not a petting zoo, right? <laughs> but, but like a garden, is that it is a sustainable way to live. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody usually mentions something about having enough money to survive. But it'd be, I like it when people think beyond monetary systems, and a garden is one way of doing that. Oh, hell if, yeah. If you say, I just need the, the amount of nutrients, mm-hmm. or I need... Um, I don't know, the, the, the amount of um, emotional well-being mm-hmm. to survive, mm-hmm. then it might not even require a monetary system. Oh, I, oh God. I mean, if we're going down that rabbit hole, I, I'm, I'm fully of the opinion that we have outgrown the necessity for, wealth, for money, the construct of money, because it is a human construct in barter trade societies, they get just the same amount of shit done as we do in a capitalistic society, but there's no paper trail. It's just you, you, you produce what is needed and you trade what is needed to get what the other items that you need. Mm-hmm. And I, I am fully for the abolishment of money. Oh, wow. <laughs> like I, I, yeah, I, I can get a little out there with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that actually is a little out there. Yeah. No, I, I really don't like the construct of it. Even like, cause I, and like my ideal society, it would be more like socialist, Democrat, or democratic, however you word it, but uh, very pro Bernie Sanders. Bernie. Go Bernie. <laughs> Bernie for president is the idea. <laughs> Basically. Oh my God. Not saying he's the Messiah, but God damn. <laughs> yeah, well, the closest thing in our culture to uh, a Messiah of that type. Definitely. A political Hold, Messiah. Oh my God. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm, that is to me the, the one closest to reality that that ideal but my true ideal is just like we don't fucking need money you just need (laughs) to learn how to make shit and get it done like because i believe you know it's like because you go to like you go to places like japan and they treat their fast food workers with actual respect Mm. they you know it they understand that every person has their place in society and we shouldn't look down on them just because it's not an equal level you know there's there's equity I mean, not, I mean, they have their own problems, but it's more equitable in that society. And I cannot stand the fact that here in the U.S., we still are looking down on people with lower paying jobs and say yeah. that we, they deserve it. They deserve the suffering that comes along with lower earnings. Like it just, it just really, it, it's not fair. It's yeah. not okay because they're still providing the service that you want and expect, but aren't willing to perform yourself. Yeah. It seems like, um, it, it could be possible to still have a monetary system 
um, that was based on human needs, if it were possible to figure out what people needed. Mm-hmm. But um, when it was set up, I don't think uh, it was interesting to even think about providing needs for or providing for everyone's needs. Mm-hmm. I think it was a lot more competitive. That if you didn't fight for something, you would die or things of that nature that aren't necessarily true for everyone mm-hmm. now. Well, it's actually, I was having this conversation earlier because I went to the um, Egyptian festival up in Roseville. Okay. Yeah, at the... Egyptian festival. Egyptian festival. <laughs> what yeah. What do they do? Um, it was about... So it was at St. Mary's Coptic Orthodox Church in okay. Roseville. And it was really cool because I was expecting it to be just, you know, like a bunch of vendors and some, you know, like food stands and whatnot. But really, it, it had like this little tiny side museum that gave like the whole history of the Coptic church. Hmm. It was actually super educational. Like yeah. I had no idea um, that they referred to the uh, Coptic church and the feminine. Hmm. So the church is feminine. And I just, I thought that was really fascinating, you know, completely different from the Western version of Christianity. Hmm. And so um, I am so on a tangent right now. You got to bring me back to the original. I'm so sorry. Shout shout out to Egypt. (laughs) Shout out to Egypt. Um, Monetary system, sustainability. Oh, well, so we we went back to, um, we were having this conversation about ancient Egypt and, and just the intricate history of that society. And I brought it all the way back to Mesopotamia with mm-hmm. the, with the Sumerians. And, um, you know, now thinking back on it, like they were kind of the ones who created a money system. Like I'm pretty certain that before then, I mean, cause this was, oh my God, like almost 10,000 years ago mm-hmm. that they, I mean, they were the ones who d- developed the first writing system that we can find you know, and, and all this shit. So, I mean, it's kind of, cause before then it was barter trade. It was, it was before the agricultural boom where it was all hunter gatherer societies. Like there was no need for money yeah. until large cities and congregations of people started becoming a thing. Yeah. You can remember only up to a certain amount. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I barter with maybe 30 people, I could probably just off of my memory figure out who owes what and what's worth what. And maybe between us, we're kind of, uh, we have a similar culture or similar values or similar needs. So we can agree on, oh, this is the value of that. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you expand past the group to a certain point, mm-hmm. it's not clear that the same thing is worth the same thing. So That's a very valid perspective. I hadn't quite, quite thought about where it's, yeah, the, the human mind does have limitations in that, yeah. in that regard. Certainly. And that's one of the beauties of, of writing and language is that you can kind of export certain things and share them um, without having to think of them yourself or you can keep track of things that you wouldn't have been, been able to remember. There are advantages, but um, I actually, I think that my ideal might be extreme in the opposite direction, except it, it's to achieve the same thing. It, okay. Oh, I'm super <laughs> curious. Yeah, so. Then. I, I actually think more monetary systems might be a solution. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, oh, oh, you're thinking about... categories of things to manage. You're thinking about um, basic human pay, right? Um, ha- maybe. Have, have you thought, have you heard about that, what they're doing in a, some Scandinavian country? But they're, they're starting off with a universal pay. So everyone gets $600 a month, no matter who they are. Yeah. 
Well, it would be... Uh, okay, so this is what would be different about it. Okay. Um, I think the problem is that uh, $600 can buy you a luxury item and items that you need. Mm-hmm. I think they should be, there should be different systems for the things you need mm. and the things that are luxury items. Okay. So a part of the problem is that one currency can buy everything. Mm. It would be closer to like... Uh, Oh, I just went to the farmer's market mm-hmm. and they have like the farmer's market bucks things or whatever. Oh, that's cool. I thought you were, from, you might be more <laughs> I, I am from I am. Davis, but I don't, <laughs> it, uh, sorry, the farmer's market is a little bit bougie for me. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Well, see. Uh, <laughs> I shop at the Dallas store. <laughs> All right, fine. I was at the farmer's market. I was being bougie and uh, they have this thing where you can uh, basically trade in your credit card for specific dollar amounts from of their coins that can only be spent at the farmer's market. Huh. So it, it basically says a dollar you can spend anywhere, but once you turn it into a farmer's market coin, you can only spend it here. Fascinating. So it's like a... So it's restricted, basically. But it's, it's not a universal currency. So, but, but, it, in a, but it's a farmer's market currency because there's so many different booths there are different booths and they respect it amongst each other oh that's fascinating but outside of the farmer's market it's useless yeah so i think something of that nature that separates different items of different levels of importance well uh, might be useful because it's easier to keep track of what is actually happening well then then in in that realm if we're going to go there then then food stamps Food stamps e- are e- an example. EBT, of that. Yeah. Yeah, EB- yeah. But so w- would you say universal EBT, where everyone gets it? Basically, yeah. Something okay. like universal EBT, something like universal transportation, oh. something like universal. So, so that everything that is necessary, it's easy to prioritize. We're not just going to give you $600, we're going to give you $600 useful dollars. Mm. See, I think that's really cool because I, uh, so I, have, um, I have friends that struggle with addiction. Yeah. And um, they have family members that struggle with addiction. And, you know, they're they're on supplemental income from the government and it, they need it to survive. And I I'm of the opinion, like if you need it, addict or not, you deserve it because everyone deserves the right to live. Yeah. But it would certainly help. Like curve their ability to get a hold of the substances that are harmful to them yeah. you know because if you have access to money but it's unlimited to what you can spend it on i mean right. that that is a a struggle that they face yeah and um that wouldn't even require that you eliminate the market that we have already mm-hmm. that could just be a part of it see so. that's that's really good. that's a fascinating perspective because i I want to get rid of money, not add money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the real, um, I think the meat of it, it seems like it's more money and more confusion and it is more confusion. But uh, the root of it is what, like, can you manage the things you want to manage in the way that you want to manage them? And one of the things that's confusing about our system is since you can use money for anything, a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. But the um, what you can spend it on is not equally uh, necessary mm. for someone to live. There's no weight on the fact that one person needs it to survive and another person needs it to add rims to their car. They're, mm. they're seen as exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So it's up to the individual uh, to, who has the wealth to, to decide where it's going to be used. And 
when it's all said and done, there's just a huge bias toward wealthy people. Oh, because it's if they already have the thing that they need, then it's just whatever they want. That's what gets invested into the economy. So I or those have, are the areas that get more funding. I have a, a very serious. I'm going to sit up a little bit more for this one because this is oh yeah. my god, this is the one that like absolutely pisses me off to the core of my being. So, how do you feel about billionaires? Uh, I think that if basically if you're not like obsessed with problem solving. It's a really bad idea. I think, and even if you are, it's still pretty bad. But yeah, I, I, I but I don't, know, I don't know any billionaires. I don't know, you know, <laughs> what it's like. I think here's the thing: um, they a billionaire, a billionaire has to spend several hundred, several thousand dollars a day, and this this means that they can't earn any more money. They have to spend several thousand dollars a day to be able to die at zero dollars. Yeah, that seems. So incredibly necessary, unnecessary for me. Like it, there is, there is no need for that amount of money. You can happily live on a million dollars a year. Yeah, that is a perfectly doable thing. So say you know you, you get a million dollars a year, you save half that. You know you'll you'll be a multimillionaire by the time you retire, and right. you'll you'll have a happy life. Like what? Jeff Bezos? He's like the first ever billionaire. No, no, no. Uh, valued at a trillion dollars. Amazon mm. was just valued at a trillion dollars. Why? Well, <laughs> like, yeah. why is that necessary? There, there's no need for that. Well, that's so. That's kind of the angle that I would really start if I were mm -hmm. to talk about billionaires. Is how is wealth generated? Mm -hmm. And Amazon is a good example. Uh, that one, how is wealth generated? And two, are they a billionaire because they generated the wealth or because they inherited the wealth? Mm -hmm. And I think I'm biased toward the people who generated the wealth. So Well, yeah, because they, they and, and they put in the work to earn it. Yeah, they must have done something that was of value to the economy. Mm -hmm. um, or they played a central role in it or they just somehow got the funds out of it and did no work. I don't know. <laughs> but um, usually it's that they solved some problem that was like a hole in the economy or they benefited from technology that came out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but how is well generated? And I, I think uh, what's interesting about that is that as a poor person, as a for all practical purposes, a poor person, I'm middle class, but um, I think that there's a, a lot of people are exactly like me and that, when we learn about money, we don't really learn the full picture. So as I'm growing and getting older, one of the big things I feel is missing is understanding the nature of investment versus like regular spending. And the long story short is that with investment, you spend a dollar, but you get back more than a dollar. With regular spending, you just spend the money. So there's, how is it that something can generate more than mm -hmm. you put in, you know? Mm -hmm. And it usually has something to do with, like, it's not a simple addition. That if you take all the pieces and put them together, what you produce is worth more than just the sum of all of the pieces. So if you think of Amazon, well, what is it? It's a bunch of, it's selling stuff online. You have a bunch of items. It's a monopoly. <laughs> it's a mo well, yeah, and that's the, th that's, we're getting right to the point. Yeah. You're selling a bunch of individual items online, right? Mm -hmm. If I sell something online, I could sell a microphone online on eBay. Great. What's the difference between one microphone and Amazon? Well, basically, the sum of all of the products being sold together 
plus all the reviews, plus everything that comes with online stuff like Amazon Prime, whatever the economies of scale they get to benefit from because of all of the stuff that's happening. You know what I mean? So when you add all that together, it's worth so much more than just all of the individual eBay items. So that's really what Bezos is benefiting from. That's why it's a trillion dollars. And see, it's really fascinating that, that you brought that up because I have no interest in the stock market because I it have trauma associated from watching the stock market crash oh, wow. back in 2008 because I was 14. I was in middle school because my middle school is weird and we went to ninth grade. And I know it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that was in Davis. That was in Davis. Of course. Go Davis. Uh, and I watched the stock market crash because I was home school, uh, uh, home at school because I was sick and um, home from school. Oh my God, I can speak English. I swear to God. And um, yeah, and I, I've, you know, I was hearing what all the commentators on the news cycles were saying, like, this is historically bad. This is really bad. This is going to affect us for, for a while, for years to come. And I was just sort of like, that's my future. This is what I have to deal with. Yeah. And it really, it, I mean, it, I don't know how it affected you. It affected a lot of people in this area. It affected a lot of homes. Um, surprisingly though, like Davis being the bubble that is Davis, housing prices still didn't come down. Mm. It was one of the few places. Cause I mean, like my ex, he bought his house, um, three bedroom, two bath in Sacramento for, uh, $140,000 in Sacramento in Sacramento. And now that house is valued for over 300,000. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just crazy what it did. And it was a foreclosure home. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the basic idea of investment of stuff mm-hmm. growing because you're putting something in, but it grows more than it, than what you put in. Um, is one thing, but then when it comes to things like the stock market and financial markets, you also have things like derivatives where people are selling things and with specific risks, and and not everybody's aware of exactly what's happening. Oh man, but I people have savings <laughs> and people have you know they have money in banks and whatnot. Four hundred one ks. Yeah, and, and those are being bad. traded. Yeah, so. That's uh, a whole different world. Oh, but. man. No, it is a world that I, I don't have a math brain. So when people start throwing out numbers like that, I'm just <laughs> like, yo, you lost me. I wish I could follow along. But yeah. holy cow, if it's not like out on a piece of paper that I could like track. Yeah. I'm, I'm goodbye. Well, <laughs> I'm <yeah>. not present. <laughs> Do you feel like you can understand pictures pretty well? Oh, I'm a super visual person. Yeah. So that's not yeah. a problem. The problem is... I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's has something to do with it being so abstract. It is so abstract in the variables. Like I can't, I just can't picture that many variables in one go. Yeah. It's, and even the people who do the math often are not picturing all the variables. There are techniques that they're using to, for instance, almost nobody can imagine four dimensions or five dimensions yet. People can do math in four and five dimensions. Why? Because they're using techniques that allow them to do this thing. It's not like they have, they're seeing some shit that you're not seeing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And a lot of the times, I asked about pictures because a lot of the times, there is a picture equivalent mm. to the same phenomenon, but who's going to generate the pictures? What, the only reason to do that is, is if you wanted to educate people, but a lot of the times... There's an incentive to keep people in the dark. Oh, God, yeah. Well, it was, it was really fascinating because I watched 
I don't know why I watched this. It was on at like PBS at like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it was this whole thing about how 401ks, mm-hmm. everyone has a 401k now. Anyone who, that's the retirement plan of our yeah. generation. Uh, they're kind of a sham. Yeah. They're kind of a sham because of how many fees. Uh, what can happen to your 401k? The fact that your 401k can just one day disappear because the stock market drops is horrifying. Yeah. Um, and it's also very interesting that I dated a guy who exclusively dealt in 401ks. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and I was just like, yeah, I think, you know, the business you're in is kind of, kind of shady and kind of shitty. And, you know, it's <laughs> like it doesn't have the people behind the accounts in mind. It just yeah. has the accounts. And so if you view somebody as a number, you're not going to have the total commitment that they're getting the best deal, yeah. you know, or the, you know, and it's just, so I'm, I'm all for bonds. Bonds <laughs> yeah. is where it's yeah. at. I yeah. can't wait till I can afford my first bond. <laughs> and, you know, uh, yeah. Cause that it's stable, has solid interest, you know, it's, it's secure and pensions. Jesus Christ, what they're doing with pensions right now. I have a few friends that have some government jobs and they, they started working for the California government right before pensions were removed. They're no mm. longer available. Wow. And it's because of baby boomers. There's just so many baby boomers on the, on the pension system. Mm. I can't keep up with it. It's, it's incredibly expensive because they keep like, if you're in the system for 30 years or something, you keep 90% of your income. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I don't think that's sustainable. But no, absolutely not. It's not sustainable. It's really nice if you're receiving the pension. Yeah. But it's it's and I I don't know. I'm also for um, huge tax increases, hmm. um, particularly on the wealthy. I don't feel like the <laughs> the underdogs who are you know barely getting by yeah. should receive that. Same. But like that goes back to the whole argument of we don't need billionaires. There's no need for. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. How do you so somebody could argue that um, there wouldn't be as much of an incentive to take risk if mm-hmm. there wasn't like the reward of having a trillion dollar company? But uh, the problem is it's hard to really see um, where someone is coming from unless mm-hmm. you have some weird experience of like or idea of what it might be like mm-hmm. to be Jeff Bezos, especially at the beginning when you don't know that it's going to be a trillion dollars down the line. <laughs> I mean that because it is a risk. That is a, it is a huge risk, and um, as somebody, so I I have I would consider myself lower middle class. Yeah. Um, personally, I grew up lower middle class, but I have upper middle class grandparents mm-hmm. that were super supportive of my parents while I was growing up because they wanted to make sure that you know I had everything that I needed, not what I wanted, but what I needed. Yeah. And um. They're, they, how to put, so they own several businesses in the Sacramento area. They did pretty well for themselves for, for several decades. Um, you know, they, they put in financial risk with their businesses and, you know, taking over pre-owned buildings and whatever. And, um, you know, it's weird because honestly, risks like that, like, yeah, they had the financial benefit of taking those risks, but then they also had the added pressures that come along with it. Yeah. And it's like, in the end, they sold all the businesses 
just because um, the umbrella company was basically forcing them out mm. because uh, they were franchised. Yeah. So I, I'm certain you know what a franchise is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they were franchised and, you know, the big corporate umbrellas were just buying out all the businesses underneath them and, and dropping prices. And, yeah. you know, it was just it was a really muddy, muddy process. And then, you know, the, then the economy crashed and then they couldn't rent out their their uh, economy buildings. And it, mm. it was just, you know, just to see how much stress came with those risks. I'm like, yeah, you got the money, but it, you're not enjoying it. Yeah. You have to work so hard. And I mean, it's your basic income is just fine as it is. You know, so the the, the cost benefit, I don't know. <laughs> fun economy people of throwing that out you know the cost benefit it's just uh it, i mean it sometimes to me I, I actually most of the time for me it's it's not necessarily worth it because usually added risks added reward but added stress right is what i what i've noticed personally Do, risking stuff doesn't seem to make your life inherently better in the end if it is successful yeah and there's also the piece that you have to have uh like some amount of free time, mm -hmm. you know, um, education, some kind of like privilege mm -hmm. that would even allow you to take certain risks. Mm -hmm. So it may turn out that like, um, you know, you could say, oh, there's a billionaire, right? Mm -hmm. Like, or Steve Jobs or something, Bill Gates, somebody who's now or was <laughs> really on top. Well, somebody who was like working at McDonald's wouldn't have even been able to take those risks. Mm -hmm. So there is a, um, you can say that having the financial incentive to make a billion dollars or having the possibility of building a trillion dollar company might motivate some people to mm -hmm. say it's worth it to quit my job and live low for two years yeah. and to take the chance at maybe founding this company. Well, what, I, what I've, and correct me if, if you disagree, because I'd, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Yeah. I feel like it is harder now for to achieve the American dream uh, as a, or the quote unquote American dream, yeah. as yeah. Um, somebody who comes from a lower class family. Yeah, I think it, I feel like it is harder. I feel like when my grandparents did it, when my grandfather bought started working for that company and bought it out in the in the 60s, you know, it was it was possible. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot more equity. I mean, mm -hmm. think about it. Taxes ha on the rich have reduced like over, I, it's like some ridiculous number. I don't want to throw something out, you know, sound like a complete idiot because I don't know what I'm doing. But, um, you know, the amount of taxes that I think they paid in the in the 50s and 60s back then was like close to 40%, like 50%. Yeah. Um, if you were upper middle class. And that's why the 50s were you know, such this utopian era is because there was enough money for all of these social programs and to lift people up and to get people, you know, into the middle class. I mean, that that was the era of the middle class and when that concept was created. Um, and because people, you know, could afford houses for the first time. And But but then again, that, that also does play back into like, I'll be honest. It was way more attainable for white people. I mean, yeah, people yeah. of color in that era, <laughs> yeah. though, were still horrendously fucked. 
fucked. Like, yeah, yeah. In, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Well, I mean, like redlining, you yeah, know, yeah, like you gotta understand. Even in the fifties, it wasn't all that great. Yeah, it wasn't so, all that great. Yeah, well, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Taxing has had some effect on people's yes. ability to achieve what I might assume to be home ownership. I don't know, marriage or whatever else is in the American dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The tax policies have definitely changed, but it's very difficult to man. I mean. It's not clear that it's even possible to set up a society so that uh, everyone is doing as well as they, as well as you like them to do. In my view, unless there was some standard for what humans needed, mm-hmm. if the standard is just a monetary amount, maybe. Well, have you ever maybe? heard of of FDR's? Um, uh, what was it? it was like Declaration of Basic Human Rights or something? Because it was it was based off of the. Um, Oh, God. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What the hell is that? I'm blanking. Yeah. Sorry. It's been a long day. <laughs> well, no, it's fine. I mean, one one variable that's mm-hmm. still not clear mm-hmm. is health. Because well, no, that was actually that was actually part of FB. I, I got to look it up. So it's it's like F... F uh, wait, what? Oh, crap, I left something at my family friend's house. Oh, no. I'm going to have to go back <laughs> for that later. Um so yeah, here. Sorry, googling. No, no, that's fine. FDR, um, it's like Bill of Human Rights or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really just simple. And he was going to try and pass it in Congress, and then he died. Yeah. And my biggest thing is, what if this actually got through? Mm. You know, because I mean, this was by far his most socialist. Um, uh, piece of legislature he wanted to put out and it basically guaranteed uh yeah the second bill of rights is a list of rights that was uh proposed by the united states president franklin d roosevelt during his state of the union address in january 11th 1944 and so yeah that so it's second bill of rights not bill of human rights but second bill of rights okay and it was um here let's see if they listed it um employment Food, clothing, and leisure with enough income to support them. Farmers' rights to a fair income. Freedom from unfair competition and monopolies. Housing, medical care, social security, and education. Yeah. A lot of those things are, are difficult to like nail down. Though. They are difficult to nail down because everyone's needs are different. Like somebody yeah, yeah. with like, you know, multiple sclerosis is going to yeah. have way different set of needs than, you know, you or I. Yeah. And, so. uh, but it, that's based off of equity, you know? Yeah. And like those tax dollars don't need to go to me. They can go to her. That's yeah. fine. Like it, it's, it shouldn't, we get so wrapped up over what people have and don't have. And it's just like, let's just let people get what they need. Cause I, I work for, um, fairly conservative people. No, that's where and they're all of this is quite from. wealthy, <laughs> and they're don't get me wrong, they're lovely people. They're yeah. lovely, kind individuals, but the way they they talk about the poor sometimes, or like how they they refer to Medicare and Social Security as this evil thing that's sucking them dry, yeah. and I'm just like, do you not have a heart? Can you not see like other people are suffering? Do you just not want to help people? Are you really that selfish? Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've worked for a couple of families like that. I have people like that in my family. And I just, I, I can't, 
I can't fathom that level of, of apathy towards your fellow humans. I can't fathom it. Hmm. Yeah, it's got to be pretty weird. Right? It's got to be weird. Like, are, why are you so self-involved? And that's the thing about, like, they only focus... It, like, when, when I said, you know, people focus about them playing the game and them getting through it and, and getting what they need from society. And it's just like, we all just thought about each other, you know, maybe we <laughs> could improve on things. <laughs> yeah, maybe, hopefully. Right. right. I mean, the big thing is extinction. Every species pretty much goes extinct. Mm -hmm. so. Well, and uh, I mean, it's mainly our fault <laughs> for the last well, couple centuries. Well, yeah. For, <laughs> yeah. Within a certain time period while we've well, changed the environment. Actually, yeah. we could go back. We could go back about 20,000 years and be like, hmm, woolly mammoths. We did you dirty. Sorry, guys. <laughs> like, yeah. But know. then before woolly mammoths and before, you know, mm -hmm. then we, we're not responsible for that. <laughs> hopefully. Right, but um, yeah, the hope is that people figure out whatever is necessary. But it, it it just seems that we're not always in a famine, you know. Like mm -hmm. certain things, really, we do have to compete for. Mm -hmm. But it's not true for everything, and it doesn't even seem to be true for the same things as time moves on. So it's as basically, if at one point there's a limited resource, there's only three markers, mm -hmm. and then the number of markers grows. Mm -hmm. And it turns out there's double the amount of markers as the people who need them. There should be some policy change that matches that. But it's not clear that we're even monitoring mm -hmm. like whether or not we have enough resources to suddenly say, hey, we don't need to compete. We just need to distribute these to the people who need them. Oh, so are you talking about our, our current our food situation that we're experiencing in the food U.S.? Food is an example of that. Dude, food... I mean, I, I drive through the, the farm country yeah. to go to work every day. And, you know, it, last year, the, um, when I started working for this particular family, they're, you know, in the fields, migrant workers. Yeah. You know, about 30 to 40 of them all in the fields working really hard. And, you know, I, I always felt like, you know, if I wasn't going to my second job, I would have loved to just, like, buy a couple cases of Gatorade and just drop it off and you know but I unfortunately never got around to doing that um but you know it was just always like really You're a horrible person I, I know I'm going to hell <laughs> it's guaranteed um you didn't buy those Gatorades I know I'm the worst but you know they there were people working and and now after Trump America and all this fucking horrifying bullshit that's going on in our society I I've seen like maybe 10 people per field. Mm. And you got to think about like how much food is rotting because the people can't pick it fast enough. Yeah. And there were, I, I just recently read stuff about how, you know, farmers are freaking out because all the machines are being rented out because they can't find farm workers, mm. you know, and, and there's, we're literally dumping tons literal tons of food because it's rotting because we can't get to it fast enough wow like this is the this these are the problems that this administration has single-handedly created that we never had a problem with before yeah i mean and it, and it is horrifying because if like food waste is one of the number one um oh god I, it, it's one of the 
a leading causes of like global warming issues because like and all the water that it takes to create that food. And then if we're wasting that water, you know, it's, I mean, we could, I read some crazy statistic sometime that like if we didn't create food waste because it wasn't a pretty looking apple, I mean, we could feed the whole world over twice. That's yeah. So I guess food is a really good example of that. Mm -hmm. At one point it was not possible to feed the whole world over twice. Yeah. But technologies have improved things. Mm -hmm. Practices have improved and we might be at the point or maybe we've already passed that point. Where it is possible, but there's no change in the policy. There's no change in the distribution system. Exactly. The distribution system is atrocious. This whole tariff bullshit that we have going on with China right now is atrocious. I mean, I... I like, Tell me more about this. Oh, my God. Okay. I listen to a lot of NPR. And uh, <laughs> they have this whole segment every day where it, it's called Marketplace. Yeah. And they just talk about the current economy once, mm. a, you know, for an hour a, a day. And it is mind-numbingly stupid what we're doing. Mm. Mind-numbingly. Because basically it's a pissing contest. Like, oh, I can charge you more money for more things, blah, 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 blah. And then China goes, we don't buy that much stuff from you guys. So sure, we'll throw a shit ton of tariffs on you too. And at this point, I mean, um, like I I, I heard from Marketplace that a lot of – distributors so people who like purchase uh, products for you know target walmart stuff like that are freaking out about the holidays and they're mm. they're thinking that they're not going to be able to afford to purchase enough enough products to for the for the demand so that there's gonna it's gonna be a lot of supply and demand issues in the next upcoming years if we don't figure this shit out because it is it's just stupid it's it's trump trying to say oh i'm a big boy I have control over this. Screw China. I don't know why he's so obsessed with China. I mean, maybe it's a diversion to throw off from the Russians. I don't know, but <laughs> it, it really bothers me. And, um, and so like one of the big ones in the food regard, so soybeans and pork. We sell a lot of pork and a lot of soybeans to them. And right now, um, mm, oh God, what statistic? I, I can't, I don't have enough time to look it up, unfortunately, but um, it, it's it's really bad because a lot of these growers and and ranchers are expecting to like sell a third of the product, yeah. and so they're losing out on millions of dollars. And it, but the millions of dollars don't go directly to them; it goes back into the business to grow more food. Right. And it's just it's just so complicated and yet simple at the same time. Where it's like, okay, well. We should maybe scale back production, but that production already exists. So where's it going to go? Yeah. Like, and then, you know, you also see this shit where like, so I grew up vegetarian. Okay. I grew up, you know, believing that animals have faces and you don't eat faces. That's not cool. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, I know that's a great argument. <laughs> that's a beautiful argument. <laughs> And so, because it's terrible, but it works. Yeah, it does work. It does well. Or like my mom's favorite, she's like, "I'm a mother, and I can't handle the image of eating a mother's child." And I'm like, "Wow, that went to a dark place, Powerful. mom." Oh my god. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, the, the like this whole thing with um, oh god, what's the hurricane that's going that just happened in North Carolina? Um, Hurricane Northy. Hurricane Northy. (laughs) But it like it killed like 
five million farm animals. Mm. And they just all drowned. Wow. Like millions of, of animals that were supposed to be like food product or like creating eggs and stuff. And like they're, they're talking about how like unsustainable it is to keep all those animals in tiny cages. And like they couldn't release that, you know, millions of farm animals just in, you know, North and South Carolina running around all willy nilly like that. But like, we don't, we don't need that much meat anyways. Like most of the meat products that are created get just like, and you know, meat and climate change are so hand in hand because it just takes so much water to sustain those businesses. Mm. And and, you know, the, the amount of carbon that is released, you know, just transporting all that product. Yeah. I, it's, I, I listen to too much of the news and I'm just seeing how the, how the world is just caving in on itself because of human design. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's so stressful. Kind of makes you feel like, you know, you're going a little bit crazy from just paying attention. Well, you are going a little bit crazy from paying attention to the news. Oh, God. I mean, the, the news really... Think of it like this. If you if you ask someone, how was your day? Mm-hmm. They're not going to tell you a 24-hour story. They're just going to pick out certain things. So a lot of it is left out. Mm-hmm. But it's already well known that the things that are kept are things that are kept for very strategic reasons, like agenda setting. Mm-hmm. People want you to think about a certain thing over and over, then they put it in the news mm-hmm. and say, this is the center of that day. Here's the center of the story. Here's exactly what you should be paying attention to. Well, and if we're, we're going to be talking about something that we should be paying attention to, this whole Brett Kavanaugh stuff, Kavanaugh, whatever, and um, Christine Blasey Ford, like I normally try and avoid stuff about you know, rape and sexual assault because I just don't think it's it's super healthy for me to pay attention to stuff like that. But I was like, nah, this is fucking history in real time. We're going to be talking. Tell me the rough story of it. The rough story of it. Um, So Brett Kavanaugh is a Supreme Court nominee filling the seat for Justice Kennedy, who just retired. Um, And uh, a woman came forward anonymously originally, and then her whole information was doxxed. And uh, shit hit the fan. I mean, she's had death threats. She had to get private security and stuff to protect herself. Um, but yeah, uh, she's a professor. Oh, no, sorry. I think she's doctor. I think she's Dr. Uh, Christine Blasey Ford. And she um, does, like, re- like psychological research at, at Stanford. Like, she's a very intelligent, um, you know, well-to-do woman who came forward and was like, nah, this... He, tried to rape me in high school and I have severe psychological trauma from it. And, and yeah. uh, And you know, this is an individual who is going to be sitting on the Supreme court for up to, you know, next 30, 20, 30 years. Like it is a lifetime appointment and I don't want a fucking rapist on the Supreme court. And, um, and now more women are coming forward and uh, talking about what happened to them and it it's really difficult because the conservative party in this country has decided that politics is more important than than politics is more important than keeping their moral compass. Yeah. And uh, number one, like if if a Democrat, if a Democratic Supreme Court nominee came forward 
And somebody was like, nah, that dude raped me. I'd be like, okay, cool. So I was excited and now I'm not. I do not, like. If they said that about Bernie, if per, if Bernie did a pussy grab back in the day. If Bernie did a per, pussy grab, I'd be like, okay, cool. I know who not to vote for <laughs> because he is clearly a terrible human being. And even though our idolo- ideolo- ideologies, God, I can speak. Even though our ideologies line up, that does not mean he is therefore the person who should be leading our country. Yeah. Because I, I, there are a lot of Bernie, the Bernie bros, the Bernie bros. Yeah. Where we share, share a lot of the same common beliefs and how we want society to, to lean towards, but that does not inherently make them people I want to spend time around. Yeah. Somebody else can adopt those ideals who doesn't have the same history. No, oh, exactly. Yeah, and then they'll be the next Bernie and then get rid of the pussy grab Bernie. <sighs> How that man became our president, I think all we can do is thank the Russians. <laughs> thank the Russians for the hacking? For the hacking. Oh. Well, no, uh, not for the hacking, but I think there are a lot of weird situations where shit just looked rigged, in my personal opinion. Like in the swing states where he only won by about 40,000 votes. Mm. And then they went in and they showed how easy it was to hack those voting machines. Oh. Makes you wonder. Yeah. I mean, I hate to go into conspiracy theories. I think I know. (laughs) Well, my dad is a huge conspiracy theorist. He's so weird about this shit. But like for me personally, like, you know, it's just it just seems a bit odd, you know? Yeah. Well, real conspiracies are real. People do conspire to do things. Mm -hmm. What's difficult to tell is whether or not one particular theory is correct. Well, I think Pizzagate was a little bit out there. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think, you know, there has to be some logic to it. Yeah. Well, there's things can be more or less likely, but it's hard to show. Yeah. So basically, the best position to have is the most uncomfortable one, Mm -hmm. which is just that you don't know what's going on. Because it's true, you don't know what's going on. Nobody really knows exactly what's going on. But you can make use the power that you have to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. And you can be skeptical about things that are weird. Oh, and yeah. And try to ask further questions, for sure. Well, I think the a thing that always weirds me out is when people aren't skeptical. Yeah. That, that weirds me out, where it's just like, oh, you're willing to accept this? Because, you know, even with this Christine Blasey Ford stuff, it was like... She she could be lying. I don't know. I don't exactly right. I don't want to believe that she's lying and her testimony was pretty fucking powerful. And you know, you even got Republicans saying, you know, she seems like a credible credible individual. You know, um would when you you hear a Republican, you know, go against party lines or even a Democrat go against party lines. You you know that's some pretty powerful shit. Um but yeah, I just I don't know. I just sometimes I, I question whether or not, like, if you know, go into the the mountains and living in a cave and just being a little hermit human, <laughs> and just cutting off from society. Like, if that would actually benefit my mental health. <laughs> I don't think it would benefit your mental health. Uh, please don't do that. <laughs> just, just do something else. Meditate. Go for a walk. Yeah. Go swimming every once in a while if you can. Ah. Uh. Buy those Gatorade. <laughs> Buy the Gatorade. That will help your mental health. Oh, there's nobody to give the Gatorade to now. I feel that's why I feel so terrible. Trump, 
got rid of everyone. The charm so. got rid of everyone. God, it's so... <laughs> I actually just had this conversation with my best friend last night where she just started screaming about how stupid it is that two-year-olds have to, you know, advocate for themselves in court. You know? Yeah, yeah haven't you? Because what... um. That's well, weird. It's happening, and it's terrifying because it's these these migrant children that are crossing oh, the border got you. and then they have to go to, to immigration court and advocate for themselves and why they need asylum and have them more than half can't speak the language more than half just know that mom and dad sent them here and they have no idea why. Yeah. Cause they're two and they can barely grasp the concept of, you know, like object permanence. Yeah. You know, most kids are like, where'd he go? He just played, said peekaboo and then he disappeared behind something. I don't know where he went. Yeah. It's just, it, uh, it's horrifying. It's horrifying what's happening in this world right now. And it's hard not to feel powerless. Mm. Speaking of what's happening and feeling powerless, what do you think happens after we die? Oh boy, I really, it's weird. So I grew up Christian. Mm-hmm. Not through anything my parents did. They they do not identify as Christian themselves. But I uh, ended up in a Catholic school oh. for preschool. They oh, had man. no idea it was a Catholic school. <laughs> so uh, when my mom... They had no idea. They had no idea. <laughs> wow. And so like my mom came over because I, veg- I was the only vegetarian kid. So she came over to drop off my fake chicken nuggets mm. for lunchtime. And she heard all of us praying she was like, what the fuck did I get my kid into? <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. Unfortunately, like, it is what she signed up for. You just signed you up for. Yeah. So I grew up very Christian. Wow. As and a you kid. stayed in that school. Yeah. Oh. Till, till after kindergarten. Okay. Well, that's. Yeah. How, wait, up until kindergarten? So until I, the end of it? Until the end of kindergarten, and oh. then I went to public school. Oh, all right. Yeah. But that's still the formative years. Very still, formative. Yeah. Yeah, and so I really, I was like, in God, I was really in heaven. And then um, I started, I so I have an anxiety disorder. Okay. I really started around age five. I would have panic attacks about death. Oh, wow. Panic attacks. And, um... And so heaven, the concept of heaven made me feel really safe, Hmm. made me feel very safe. Like, oh, I don't actually stop existing. I keep existing somewhere else. That's cool. That, that makes me feel safe. Um, and then later on, I was, I went into like a, like a complete opposite perspective where I'm like, I'm atheist. It's nothing. Nothing happens when you die. Absolutely nothing. And now because that was like my my preteen years. Yeah. My and and I got really into like nihilism. And I was like nothing matters, nothing it like and I got I had issues with depression. Yeah. And um so I got really nihilistic and I was like nothing happens when you die. It's just nothingness and life is nothingness and just really angsty bullshit really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um now that I'm an adult and I've had some weird encounters like i aliens not aliens it's ghosties <laughs> ghosties Go- ghosties okay. <laughs> okay. um which you know i want to explain another way because i i 
I'm one of those people, because you know there are those people that are out there that are like, oh, we're going to go to this super haunted place and talk to all these spirits and blah, blah, blah. And I think those people are nuts. I want <laughs> nothing to do with an afterlife. I yeah. think it's spoopy and I'm not into it and I just don't need to know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just don't need to know about that kind of shit. And so um, right now, I, I'm kind of more in a hopeful place with the afterlife where I'm like, I think reincarnation's super cool. Hmm, okay. I think reincarnation's cool, or there's another one which is super esoteric, where I think that if there is some form of an afterlife, you know, because it's it's in most cultures where you, you have the river sticks, you hmm. know, you have the book of the dead that leads you to the underworld and Egyptology. Um you know, really fascinating stuff. And then there's this whole concept of like crossing a river or a barrier yeah. into a different plane of reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really fascinating. Um, and that's kind of where I stop because like I said, I've, I've experienced some spooky shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's, it's like, I just don't need to know. Yeah. I just don't need to know. I mean, it's going to happen eventually. And you're exactly, you're going to run the experiment anyway. Yeah. So you don't have to guess. Exactly. It'll, it'll, whatever happens. And you know, I also, I have very spiritual family members that survived the seventies. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, they went out there with the help yeah. of some chemicals yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, my, my aunt's whole concept is, Whatever you want happens. Mm. That, that's what she believes. Whatever I want is going to happen because that's what happens. Yeah. What about being a trillionaire? <laughs> there are certain <laughs> testable things that kind of shut that one down. Well, well I, meant, I meant in the afterlife. Oh, gotcha. And not, not in the whole life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that I, I see where I... You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. No, I see where I fucked up in that one. <laughs> that one got me with prayer. Really? Yeah. I, I remember when I was a kid, I was trying to fix my bike chain mm -hmm. and it didn't work. And then I prayed and then it worked. And then I went to a church and they said, all right, tell us about your, you know, something great that happened. And I was like, I prayed and it actually worked. And everyone was upset at me. Why? <laughs> because I said it actually worked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that prayer should just work. They're and like, what's wrong? It's not working. And I'm like, are you guys being serious right now? Or are you just fucking with me? <laughs> no, it hasn't worked. I'm like, I'm dreaming for real shit. None of it's happened. None of it. <laughs> so did you grow up Christian then? Quasi-Christian. Quasi-Christian. Okay. I, I feel like I grew up with exposure to like two major religions, okay. Islam and Christianity. But I also was around like non-explicit atheists. Okay. So it was, it was not really a big issue for me to like not go to church or not believe anything. Oh, well, that's kind of yeah. nice. Kind of convenient. Very convenient. Extremely. Yeah. <laughs> especially as I like started getting older and asking my own questions and it's, I think 10th grade was officially atheist year. Oh, but probably same, like, bro. <laughs> like, well, world history. Mm. So I learned about, you learn about a bunch of things all in the same class and you're like, ah, this is, ah. So, um, but probably as early as like third grade, mm. unofficial atheist. Unofficial atheist. Yeah. yeah I am. Um, I seem to, 
surround myself with atheists. I really, it's They're really great. hard. To, they are great. I mean, it's, and it's interesting <laughs> in the sense that like, I'm this person who's like very open to like, okay, I think there might be some other shit out there. I just yeah. don't really want to know. And then like all the atheists in my life are just like, no, nah, that's bullshit. That's <laughs> like, bullshit. Well, that's one thing um, about the current uh, kind of tint on the word, whatever, mm-hmm. is that there's this extreme um, like fuck everything, like that's all bullshit. It's um, like nihilistic atheism. Yeah, but but that's not necessarily the case across the board. It just mm. I think that more generally it's closer to a uh, like philosophical skepticism where really what you're saying is it's it's not possible to know slash I don't know. Well, also, I mean if you look at the root of the word, it just means lack of god. Yeah. No god. Cuz I believe that you can be spiritual and not believe in god. I mean, that's Buddha. I mean, it's weird because Buddhism, in a way, is an atheist philosophy because there is no God in, in Buddhism. Yeah. Well, I, I would agree, if, but I would, as long as I would include, and I think if you look at things, this is really what it is in modern terms, but I would include self care as spirituality. Oh, interesting. So to say that, because if you're taking care of yourself, a part of it is acknowledging your emotions and mm. your. Um, you're in your the life of the mind. Um, and a lot of these things are the things that require theories. Like mm. you want a theory because like you were saying, you, you want to feel more warm and comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, the desire to feel warm and comfortable is something that every human probably has. Mm-hmm. But one way of dealing with it is the idea of heaven, mm-hmm. which was effective. So it works for that type of self-care. Mm-hmm. But for me, as I got older, I just realized there are other ways of doing that. Well, and, it, and it's that actually are just as effective, if not better. Well, and, and it was always very interesting because even as like a little kid, I could not understand the concept of hell. Yeah, it's hell, horrifying. Hell for me, and it wasn't like because I always jokingly say like, "Oh, I'm going to hell." That's de- that's definitely where I'm ended up um, because it's like if there is a God and if you say there's a God that loves me unconditionally, then even if I fuck up, he's still going to love me unconditionally. Yeah. Why would he punish you? He wouldn't. Why would (laughs) that doesn't make any sense to me? And so like Judaism doesn't believe in hell. Well, somebody framed it this way, but why would you create something broken and then punish it for not working? (laughs) That doesn't even add up. That's your bad design. That's you. You're a bad designer. Admit and then, it. And then, but then we're created in His image, and He does not fuck up. Like, let's be. Yeah. So how can we fuck up then? <laughs> Come on, knock it off. See, these are the types of things that got me in trouble when I was a kid because they didn't like that, and that's why I ended up going to the atheist side because I was like, man, I'm just. I thought everyone else already answered these questions. So when I ask you, why are you getting mad at me, bro? Oh man. Oh god. That fucking killed. Me. So like, like, okay, I remember, so when I was nine, they, so at the same school that I talked about earlier, the, the, yeah, Catholic, the Catholic school, so they ran an after school program for kids and I started going to it again in like third and fourth grade. Kids, you know, my parents worked, my grandparents couldn't watch me every afternoon. Like I had to go and I hated it because every, I was, I mean, I was the only liberal vegetarian in a conservative Christian area. I mean, it was not good. Not good. I stuck out like a sore fucking. Even thumb. if you were a conservative vegetarian, yeah. that's really not good. 
so I did, oh my god and so I uh, I just remember one time just what are you okay with <laughs> yes oh, yeah you remember one time <laughs> oh uh, I, one of the after school helpers she was like a high school kid or something yeah I got into an argument with her about how implausible the arc was the Ark. The Ark. Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. Oh, yeah. That's another one. That's another one. I was like, there's no fucking way. She's like, it was the will of God. I was like, what? God? No. Uh-uh. It's impossible. Like, it is. Like, maybe every animal in the area. Yeah. In the area. Every big animal in the area. Yeah. Like, I could see a few cows <laughs> fitting on a ship. That's fine. <laughs> Everything like, that's within a human scale. Yeah. Because as soon as you get into the insects... Right? You're yeah, exactly. The, way out of the park. You're you're done. You're done. And it oh my god. And she's just like her head just looked like it was going to explode cuz she was just like I can't no, it's not in it's and I love John Stewart forever for giving me this terminology. Cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Cognitive dissonance and I think that's really why cuz I mean you can like I, the way I approach spirituality and religion is with a healthy dose of skepticism. Like this is not the answer, but it could be the answer. And I find that really interesting. But when you accept something as an absolute truth with no fucking evidence, yeah, that is, I mean, it's so scary to me. Yeah. It's so scary. Cause it just tells me that you, you don't want to think. You don't want to be analytical. You don't want to actually learn. And and it's it's very sad because in my view Chef Set the Chef of X podcast. Mmm, delicious. Here's a quick message from our one and only sponsor, True Facts. True, True Facts. Facts. We said it, therefore it's true. You know what's good? It's the young sheep. I just wanted to give a quick shout out and testimonial to my brothers at True Facts. You know what I'm saying? True Facts is the only online news source that I can trust. They already figured it out, man. They post real shit only. The shit I agree with, you know what I mean? You never gotta worry about checking those sources with True Facts. They got it done. Plus, they got some real niggas and bad bitches working up in that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, shout out to True Facts. True, true Facts. facts. We, we said, said it, it therefore, therefore it's true. true.